a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltonpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. All right, so not a ton of news that we want to get to. We did. There was a, a story there at Kansas uh, with Les Miles, but I think due to time, we're going to maybe let that off till next week. Uh, just more trouble for Les Miles at Kansas. If you want to go look that story up, uh, the Kansas, I believe it's KansasCity.com uh, that has the article. I, I, I got to throw this out there as well because it just dropped again today. Pete Thamel just dropped an article. A civil lawsuit filed in federal court in Arizona last week claims that Arizona State retaliated against an athletic department official who insisted allegations of sexual harassment be investigated. And this is including Bobby Hurley. This isn't just the football program. And Bobby Hurley's with the basketball program. Yeah. And I'm not laughing at the allegations. I'm laughing at just it. It doesn't seem like it can get much worse at Arizona State right now. Until it gets worse. Yeah, until it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll certainly be pushing uh, some of that off to uh, our next episode recording here on the 12th um, for uh, SEC One Big Question. Uh, so we'll start uh, in the Athlon magazine. We'll kind of go in order of, uh, of their how they have things, uh, which is kind of an alphabetical order for each division, starting in the East. University of Florida can, is up can first. I, can I say this before we jump in just really quick? Because we normally yes. ask the question about – big broad strokes about the whole yeah, conference yeah, yeah. and things like that. So I just, I just want to mention that really quickly um, because for me, this was all about quarterback and in, in this conference, it's all about who, like who is the best quarterback in the conference and, or I'm, I'm sorry, who's going to have a quality quarterback, but also who is the best quarterback in the conference. And I, I don't, I don't know if I have a strong answer one way or the other. And I think it's because of turnover and because of some of the stars that are like some of these, younger stars or guys we saw huge flashes from that may have caught our eye, or at least that was my, my experience. I don't know about you. I think the current best quarterback in the conference seems to be clear to me, but Mm. who the best quarterback would be (laughs) by the end of the year could certainly be a lot different. Who's who's your best quarterback right now? Matt Corral. Okay. That's mine too. Maybe not far and away, but it feels like that would be the clear number one guy right now. And then by the end of the year, you know, everybody, everybody is all about Bryce Young at Alabama. JT Daniels obviously has a lot of momentum. I'm not counting out uh, Emory Jones there at uh, at Florida. And a lot of people like the Will Levis kid at uh, Kentucky as or, you know, if you want to go uh, a dark horse. Or the Basilek kid from yep, Missouri. At, at, yeah, very good. Uh, we'll, very good. We'll, we'll talk about him in a minute. But, like, I had a buddy of mine, David Bunkley, what's up, Bunk, call me out because I ref- cause I, I, I tweeted an article and quoted on it. It was talking about – or is from um, – what's his name? Bert – not Salee. Why does it come Bert? Barrett Salee. Barrett, Barrett Salee tweeted out who, like, who the best quarterback in the SEC is. And I said, I said, Corral, Basilek, and Daniels. Uh, like right now, those would be like my top three. And he said, he said, he said, pick one, you coward. And so, and so I picked Corral, like because I, I think Corral is the right answer. But like I do see a world where, like I said, it could be Basilek, it could be, it could be like you said, also Daniels, or it could be Emory Jones. Uh, so University of Florida is uh, up first, and I'll start us off. How focused is Dan Mullen? I, the, the, it seems to be the way that that season ended last year. 
the loss to LSU. Lots of people said, and 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 you know, lots of conversation about not uh, not being prepared for that game, and then sort of throwing away the Oklahoma game, and then uh, the flirting with the NFL. How focused is he? And 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 a lot of people attributed the flirting with the NFL, and they sort of connected a lot of the other moments throughout the season, sort of bad PR moments throughout the season. They connected it to him sort of just being lackadaisical throughout the year because, hey, I'm going to go to the NFL when this is done. So I don't really care. I'm going to go to the NFL. So that didn't materialize. How focused is Dan Mullen uh, on Florida? I don't know the answer because I just think if he was so – if the distraction of the NFL was so – was as strong as, you know, everyone likes to say it is, wouldn't he have gone? Well, they, you know, I mean, it takes two to tango. Somebody's got to want him, right? Yeah, but, but that's my point. Like, we heard rumors left and right of, a, like, two different teams that really wanted him. And I wonder if it's true. Yeah. Like, that well, that's really fair. Um, How much did they want him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my question for, for them this year, for Florida this year, I could have gone several different, you know, different ways in my opinion. Um, and I think they would, all would have been valid. And so today I'm just going to stick on this. Is Todd Grantham worth the hassle? Like I, I can't, I, I, for some reason cannot find the stat right now, um, that I saw tweeted out, um, or retweeted by, by either, um, our guys, David Waters or, or Will, um, Will Miles, um, but it surrounded the fact that in total defense, the uh, Florida Gators ranked like 108th or something like that. Like it was, it was just, it was just a ridiculous number. You know, it was just so high. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, it, are, is he worth it? Well, and I think both of our questions will get answered this season because you're not going to be able to keep him in Gainesville if you turn out another 428 yards. 31 points per game, 257 through the air, and 170 on the ground. I mean, all of that, 74, 71, 183 uh, in terms of those ranks from points down to total. I don't think Gainesville will allow him to stay. Also, fourth, just a, another side note, fourth down, for which is not something we normally talk about, but fourth down conversion rate killed Florida last year. Because on defense, they gave up 15 out of 23 fourth downs. Like 65% of the time, offenses were, were getting the first down on them. All right, University of Georgia, uh, you're mm. up first on the Bulldogs. Can JT Daniels take Georgia to the promised land? I look at this roster. I look at this coaching staff. Both have been upgraded during the offseason. Both have been upgraded over the last two years. Uh, receivers, even without George Pickens, is the most talented receiving core I've ever seen from Georgia, ever. Like, I, I've been around a long time, and this is Georgia's best receiving core talent, highest upside, best talent ever. And the running backs, obviously. Defensive backs was supposed to be a problem. Well, guess what? Um, Kirby Smart went and fixed that in the transfer portal with a potential – with two potential all-SEC cornerbacks – one was a all American, the other one was an all ACC cornerback last year. And so, but and the O line was a problem last year. Well, that's fixed now too. Special teams really good last year. They both return. It all comes down to the quarterback play. And my question just is simple. So my question revolves around 
in my opinion, the most immediate assistance to JT Daniels or maybe the most important assistance to him is how how ready is the secondary in terms of linking my question with your question. How ready is the secondary? You mentioned the two additions in uh, Smith and Kendrick. How ready are those guys? How ready is the rest of the group to kind of roll into what they're going to be asked to do? How ready is that secondary to step up against Clemson, step up against what I'm going to assume is going to be a good Florida passing game? And, you know, we mentioned Basilak. Um, Tennessee's going to throw the ball all over the place. And then, and and maybe there's not going to be a super challenge from Tennessee and a super challenge from Missouri just yet, but they're going to challenge you. And then you're going to have to play, obviously, most likely going to have to play Alabama in the championship. So, how ready is the secondary to sort of make the job on JT Daniels not a, you know, who blinks first contest? Can can they get some stops and help him out a little bit being able to hand the football off to the running backs? Because it can't just be a one-man job. Um, it You know, you got to do it as a team. So can the secondary, how ready are they to, to go into this season as that was the last question mark to answer was the secondary. It's been answered. How well has it been answered? All right, the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, is the O-line ready for the system change? Obviously, they've been building a very promising uh, offensive line there for uh, the Wildcats, and they've sent some guys off to the NFL. Uh, All-SEC uh, all Drake uh, Jackson left off, as well as, I believe, uh, Landon Young off to the uh, SEC. They do get a few guys back. But they also lost their offensive line coach during the middle of the season after a long battle with cancer. How ready are they to make the change to the new system? My, mine just revolves around like they they showed last year that they obviously want to train, like you said, tra- transition to a, a a more aerial attack, right? Yes. Do they have do ha- do they have the horses for it? Mm-hmm. Do, do they have the wide receivers for it? You know, it's it's so easy to say, you know, hey, just throw the ball more. You know, or another team just run the ball more. Well, do you, you know, with Florida, like, do, you know, just run the ball more. Well, do we have the O-line? Do we have the running backs to, to run more? And just like here with Kentucky, do we have the wide receivers to throw more? And right now, I, I mean, I would probably lean no. So they do have returning Josh Ali, who had 54 receptions last year, just 8.8 yards a catch and only one touchdown. But that's sort of the leading receiver, the transfer of – Wandale Robinson from Nebraska as well is uh, expected to go a long way to obviously help free up things for Josh Ali and then he himself with his production. Um, the new offensive coordinator wants to use tight ends. So Keaton Upshaw and Justin Riggs, um, only like 16 touch, uh, sixteen catches and 12 catches uh, for both of them respectfully but they're expected to be used here as well. So, yeah, it's probably not the deepest wide receiver room, uh, and it might not even be a great wide receiver room, but it is – they like that addition of Wondell uh, Robinson and then what he can do to maybe help things for for Josh Ali. I I just have trouble looking at this this wide receiver room, looking at, like, the the breakdown of these guys, and and just nothing nothing pops off the – Nothing pops off the screen that says this is a team that can make the transition this year to a successful, threatening offense against, you know, the 
the good teams of the SEC. Missouri is next. And, Rob, before we continue with Missouri here, we have to I have to put this – it's not a disclaimer, but I have to put us on notice here. We have a listener who is a Missouri grad, so bring your A game when it comes to the Tigers because my buddy Jamie not only listens, but he texts me all the time, especially when we talk about Kansas because <laughs> Missouri and Kansas have rivalries, and he's always telling me how – Stupid and pathetic Kansas is going to be. So, Jamie, we're going to be here on our A game. I've got a good question. I know Rob's got a good question. Here we go. My question is this. Is Missouri ready for the hype? Mm. Because, like, no, they are not picked to make the playoff or to win the conference or, or really to win the division. But what they are what they are picked to do is they're, predict, they're predicted to come in third in the conference. They're predicted to be competitive this year. Yes, they came, they're coming off of a 5-5 five and five year last year, but again, COVID, blah, 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 all, all that different stuff. But Connor Bazelek, to me, as I said earlier in the pod, like, Connor Bazelek is one of my top three quarterbacks in the SEC. I, I believe in this kid. Um, I believed in what I saw last year. And you know they're projected to go eight and four. And if you if you go eight and four in the SEC, like that's a that's a really that's a really good that's a really good record. And no, the SEC East is not going to be up this year. Like I can't I, I I'm not trying to belittle what Missouri does this year or what any team the SEC East does. But after you get to the SEC, after you get to Missouri and those top three teams, there's a huge drop off in expectation and talent. And when you look at Missouri's schedule, you're, when you're out of conference games are Central Michigan, Missouri State, Boston College, and North Texas, you should like you have a very good chance, especially in down year in the East. Like I said, you have a very good chance to win eight games, if not more. And they're 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 pundits, they're they're analysts, they're people who are picking Missouri to be that dark horse team in the division. And so I want to know this: Is Eli Drinkwitz? Drinkwitz? Oh my gosh, Drinkwitz. And Connor Bazelek, are they ready for the hype? Yeah, so early in their career, too. This is just year two. Yeah, so they yeah. got a lot of uh, expectations. And, and I was just looking at the schedule as well. I mean, you've got A&M, Georgia, and Florida look like the sort of maybe the games that you might be overmatched. And you've always played Florida really well at Missouri. So outside of that, you're not going to be overmatched by anybody. I'll be a little more specific Okay. This is uh, most of my stuff is is a little more over our, uh, over you know bigger picture stuff, but for Missouri, I wanted to go a little bit more specific. Can they find stability on offense? So Basilak was a stable piece last year. Larry Roundtree was a stable piece last year, mm-hmm. and uh, but even with Basilak, he didn't start the first game. He started midway through the second game, and then there's a very interesting stat about the wide receiver position. Five different wideouts were targeted 39 to 58 times, yet only two of them played in all 10 games. And there was a revolving door at the offensive line as well. Of the offensive line, uh, only two Missouri linemen played in all 10 games. So can they just sort of get some sort of stability on offense, particularly at the Uh, offensive line position you can rotate wide receivers through and that might actually be a good thing but can you get some stability on the offensive line protect Basilak so that he can throw the ball down the field there was uh, I I remember reading a lot about you know a short passing game for him 
figure out that offensive line, get the ball moving down the field like we've seen Missouri before. And I think even, you know, back in the Big 12 days, Missouri had, what was it, Chase Daniels throwing <laughs> the ball all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, get back to, to, to tossing the tater around a little bit there in, in Missouri. All right, so South Carolina. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a page out of Robbie's book here, and I'm gonna get out on a limb a little bit. Now, not too bad, not too big of a limb, but I'm gonna get out on a limb. So I like to play it safe. You are just Could South Carolina big safe kid. Yeah, big 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 big. Um, You're a square. If you were if we were back in the go. 50s, they'd call you a square. That's it. You, I'm I'm the square. You're you know you've got uh, you got the leather jacket on. You're you're Donnie Zuko, and I'm. Are there any square char- guy character? Yeah, I guess there are a couple of them, uh, in that Grease movie or whatever. All right, on track here, South Carolina. Is this the surprise team of the SEC in 2021 for South Carolina? I know a lot of people don't respect any sort of t- kind of talent. Um, there's obviously you Shane Beamer is coming out of complete and total left field beyond left field. Shane Beamer is coming out of as the head coach, not a ton of expectations. It feels like for South Carolina, but reading about him, he believes in South Carolina in a way that a lot of people talk about in their press conferences, but you get the feel like he got choked up at his press conference talking about South Carolina. If he could find that with some of these players, mainly Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, the backup running back that got hurt last year, some of those defensive pieces, there's a lot a lot of returning guys from last year, and obviously that doesn't mean uh, production, but maybe the experience can can be an anchor to some degree. Could this be your surprise team running the football? Kevin Harris averaged a good amount of yards, I think 6.2 yards per carry. Then they had two more backs last year that were averaging uh, five yards per carry. And uh, Fenwick and Amos uh, were both five and a half yards. Can they rally around the run game? And maybe not in terms of wins and losses. And I know I reference Arkansas all the time. Can they be some sort of a surprise team this year and, and get up off the mat and punch some people in the face that, you know, you don't really expect to uh, to do that sort of thing? I know these are supposed to be rhetorical questions, but I would say emphatically no. Not because of not because they don't have someone like Kevin Harris, like you mentioned, but man, a team that had Shy Smith, J.C. Horn, and Israel Muakamu, like still only won two games last year, were embarrassed quite a bit of the year, got a coach fired, like I. And and then and then no one on earth. Well, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, ask her Herm Edwards at Arizona State. I was just gonna say like no no one no one thought this was a good hire. The the whole Shane Beamer going from an elite tight end coach and recruiter to head coach just really still baffles me. It's like I still have whiplash from it because I don't understand what I don't understand why he's the coach from a from a football standpoint. Yes, yes. Because yes, I think you get kind of what happened. Strictly from yeah, strictly from that standpoint, because yeah. all we've heard is like, like what's the joke that Cover Three made? Like, be a nice guy, and eventually you'll be a college football coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I just don't know what this offense is going to be. I don't know when I look at their talent. I look at they got a running back, but I don't know what else they have really to 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 lean on. We've never seen Shane Beamer outside of a tight ends coach, and and that's not to say that he can't do anything. Just right now, 
I, I don't – my expectation for the talent pool that South Carolina has is just not very good. My question revolves around Kevin Harris. Can Kevin Harris still be a workhorse and a, an over-thousand-yard back without Shy Smith there to take away some pressure? Because that did really seem to be what would happen. Like they would have, they would have two, they would have double coverage on Shy Smith because he was a biggest outside threat, and and that would open up some space for uh, for Kevin Harris, to, you know, to get between the tackles and you know make some make some noise. And you know they're returning they're returning three three of their no I'm sorry four of their five starters on that offensive line from last year, and so it, in theory it does seem like they should be able to run the ball. And so can he still be the workhorse that he was last year? Because I'm still impressed with the fact that in a 10-game season last year, the kid had over 1,100 yards and 15 touchdowns, averaged six yards per carry in, in a 2-7 and seven season. Or, I'm sorry, 2-8 and eight season. And that's with Colin Hill as his quarterback and Shai Smith dropping every other pass that was thrown his way. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, and he was the only threat, you're right. Because when he did, I mean, he made some, when he did catch the football, it was good, and he made some outstanding catches. And then he had some, you know, boneheaded drops. Um, so your question hinges on Luke Dottie at, at quarterback. And yeah. I was reading earlier in the offseason that there was, there was plans at the beginning of the year to get Luke Dottie involved in the offense in any way possible. Get him out there. Do something with him because they're, they're excited about the talent that you know he he brings to the table, mm-hmm. and that's always the head scratcher with Muschamp. Like he would go out and get these guys, and then not have any clue of what to do with them, and then they never did anything with him. And he saw the field really and truly for the first time against Georgia. Welcome to the SEC, kid. <laughs> like, uh, and he goes out and he plays with a lot of heart. And he, I thought he played, you know, considering the situation, he he played okay. So Luke Dottie, maybe not through the air, takes a ton of pressure off of Kevin Harris, but maybe Luke Dottie adds another element to the running game, and Marshawn Lloyd adds another element to the running game. And sure, those might take some carries away from um, uh, from Harris, and maybe that might be prevent him from getting to the 1,000 yards, but maybe it helps too. I'm really interested to see – now that you've mentioned it, now now that we're talking about them out loud, I I'm interested to see what South Carolina is next year. Just and, and just from the Shane Beamer perspective of yeah, what what are you doing offensively here? All right, the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, yeah. I believe you're up here. I am. Um, my my question revolves around the quarterback room. Will one of the off season quarterback additions be a starter any part of the season over Harrison Bailey? Yeah, I mean because because right now we've got Hendon Hooker, we've got Caden Salter, and we've got um, Joe Milton, who are there now with with Harrison Bailey, um, along with JT Shrout. I, actually, didn't Shrout transfer out? Somebody got dismissed from the team. I think yeah. it was Salter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm getting my quarterbacks mixed up off the top of my head. Um, but you're right. I mean, it was a. Okay. Uh, all right. So let me just say this, and I'll look up. I'll look up the answer while while you're talking about it. But my my question just revolves around who who really is going to be the starter for the full season. Who will the, who will the locker room get behind? 
who who is the most talented quarterback in that room? I know Harrison May- Bailey was highly touted, highly respect. You know, you know he was supposed to come in and be the you know be the future. Um, you know, was his poor play when he came in? Was that because of a poor O line or poor wide receivers, or just because he you know the coaches around him were bad, or because he himself is bad? And then at the same time, you got to ask like, why did Heupel bring in so many quarterbacks if if Her- if he believed Harrison Bailey was you know was the quarterback for him? Um, because I, I like Kenan Hooker and I really like Joe Milton. So kind of who is going to be the real quarterback for this team at the at season's end? Assess. Yeah. I'm of the opinion, get a dude and stick with him unless it's, you know, speaking of Tennessee, unless it's Jarrett Garantano kind of bad, you know, Jarrett, Jeremy Pruitt sort of took that to another level with, with Garantano kind of just kept going back to him. Make a decision and stick with it. If you're going to go with Hendon Hooker to start the year, give Hendon Hooker like four games of your undivided attention or whatever. And if it's bad, then I guess you make a deci- you know, you make a, a change at that point. But um I would imagine in this system in this offense you know, pick a guy and stick with him and ride that out and and let's see how it goes and I would almost treat the quarterback position that way that who wins it is who wins it. And yeah. we're going to we're going to you know we're going to s- stick with it that way. By the way, it's Salter was dismissed. You're right. And he's entered I've got a, I've got uh that he's landed at Liberty with uh, with with uh Hugh. Yep. Oh, not not surprising. Okay. Um Can the- can Good. the Vols just have fun this season? Mm. You know, for, under Jeremy Pruitt, it's been, you know, three three yards in a cloud of dust. And I don't even know if that's the right phrase because it's just, you know, throwing your head up against the, the wall uh, on offense. Just go out and have fun. When, when was the last time Tennessee football was fun? Just go out and have fun. Uh, uh, um, the Hail Mary against Georgia? Was that the last time that Tennessee yeah. football was fun? And that was a moment. That 2015, that 2015 season, yeah, that was like, just a moment. Like, I, like no, don't have fun for a season, dude. Absolutely, I, I think Josh Heupel is going to be a good coach. I, I really do. I, I don't, I don't necessarily know if he's the coach to get them to the promised land, but I do think he's going to make this team relevant, and they're going to score points this year. Um, they, they're going to score points, and maybe the scoring of points will will make it fun for them. You know. Maybe, maybe that situation will will be beneficial for them. Like what the discouraging part? I don't want to say discouraging part, but like I, I it is it is discouraging. Last year they had they, they no, not one point in time did, to your point did they look like they were having fun. You know, um, not one time did it really look like they were enjoying enjoying the games that they were playing in. Um, but they had talent specifically on the offensive line. And when you look at this year's season, or you look at this year's offensive line, they're returning only two players, Darnell Wright and Cade Mays, on their O-line. And I, I don't know. Um, I, I hope so. I, I hope they can have fun. Um, because last year, it just, it, it all, it looked like, how do I put this? You ever just like, you watch, you watch those movies where someone's like kidnapped? 
and they've got to make a phone call. And like the, the, the kidnappers making them make a phone call to someone to verify or to get information. And they're holding a gun to their head while they're on the phone and they just sound super tense no matter what who they're calling or who they're talking to. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's exactly how every game felt like with Tennessee last year. It just felt like they were tense the entire game. The coaching yeah, staff, the quarterbacks, everybody. Vanderbilt will finish up the SEC East. I believe I'm first here. Mm-hmm. Can can they double their scoring total? 14 to uh, to 28. Vanderbilt sounds like they want Clark Lee sounds like they want to open up the offense a little bit. They always seem to have a quarterback that you feel like is could be capable in, you know, maybe a different system, a more high high octane system with, you know, a different kind of talent like the Schumer, Shermer kid from these last few years, there was always sort of this, man, Vanderbilt's got, like, that guy's okay. There's, they've got a quarterback. And now again, Ken Seals, they've got a quarterback, somebody that they like, somebody they want to roll with. Open the offense up. Can they, can they just double their scoring total from 14 to, uh, yeah, from 14 to 28? Yeah. And, you know, 14.8. I, I remember I remember being impressed at times with Seals, right? Like, he, you know, he just had moments where he showed, like, man, I'm, at, I'm like I'm a I'm a good quarterback, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of what game it was where we were just like, man, like he, you know, he can sling. It. I mean, he threw for over 1,900 yards. He threw for 12 touchdowns. Like, that's that's pretty darn good to go 0 and 9. <laughs> um, no, I think that's a good question, you know, and Clark Lee is, you know, former defense coordinator at Notre Dame, you know, great defenses. So once again, they've got a defensive guy, but they felt like they got the right guy. And as, you know, I think it's Barton Simmons or Bud Elliott, not Barton Simmons. Yeah, Barton Simmons or Bud Elliott would say, you know, that's what matters most. Like, do you think you got the guy you wanted? And, you know, from what we've heard, yes, they got exactly who they wanted. And so when you turn around and you look and see who they get, I'm leading in my question, and we we look and see who they brought over off, as offense coordinator. This this David Raya from um, he's a wide receivers coach at Arizona for the Arizona Cardinals under Cliff Kingsbury, and then you look and see that they're returning they're returning all three of their biggest pass catchers from last year. You know, you you got to think there 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 may be a chance for this team to have have something, have a little spark to their offense. And so my my question is. Can can Vanderbilt look like an offensive threat this season? Because in the for the last God knows how long, it they're gonna have a hard nosed defense and they're gonna they're gonna run at you and they're gonna run at you. But they just are not gonna necessarily be a threat to score many touchdowns. And so this kind of correlates with your question. But can they be can can they like can they be a threat offensively? So that's that's where I'm leaning with them. Yeah, and you, and you kind of hope so. You feel like Vanderbilt's in one of those positions that they have to find sort of a niche, almost like they've got to specialize in something. They can't try to line it up and play bully ball with Georgia and Alabama. They've they got to find a way to sort of sneak around the, the chicken coop, if you will, and maybe spreading things out. It's not a gimmick necessarily, like some people would call the triple option, uh, which sounds kind of disrespectful, but yeah. nonetheless, it's you know do something a little bit different than what everybody else is doing, uh, 
and maybe they can they can take us take a similar approach. We're gonna spread it out. We're gonna we're just gonna throw it at you the the whole game. Not that they'll throw it fifty times a game, but you get what I mean. All right, uh, headed to the west, Alabama. So Who's we'll that? With, they know, play right, football. Yeah, they've got a little school there in Tuscaloosa. Um, who replaces their Heisman winner or finalist the best? There were finalists and winners on, on this offense. So uh, that question more specifically goes to uh, Bryce Young replacing, of course, Mac Jones. And then uh, Brian Robinson looks like the lead running back. And then maybe John Mechie. Yeah, John Mechie will step into the uh, the lead wide receiver role. So of those three guys, Bryce Young, Robinson, Mechie, who replaces their Heisman guy the best? I don't know. That I mean, everybody's talking about Minchie and that freshman wide receiver. Oh, uh, a G.A. Hall. Yeah. A G.A. Hall. Well, and according to some people, that might be the answer. Yeah, Hall yeah. would be the answer over yeah. over Mechie, uh, even though uh, you know at wide receiver, even though Smith leaves behind a pretty tall order, they all leave behind a, a pretty tall order because Najee yeah. Harris was doing it catching the ball too. Yeah, I mean Najee had forty three receptions last year, so yeah. you almost feel like it. I don't know if you can answer the question. It feels almost disrespectful to try to say somebody's going to fill those shoes because. Each guy was just a, a so their special. own level of impressive, yeah, and special, yeah. yeah. I, and, and that that and that leads me to to my question. Like, I, I think the Bryce Young question of whether or not what he is and isn't is is low hanging fruit. The question I want to ask is: now that Sark is gone, and now that we have seen the recruiting class that Loxley brought in from Maryland the, at wide receiver, now that. Lockley, Loxley's been gone long enough to, for them to recycle new, new wide receivers, and Sark's gone with his you know, brilliant offensive mind. Will they have the wide receiver talent to be as deadly as they've been the last three or four years? Right, because you, you would assume at some point, like you said, cycling out the, the, the guys on the field, at some point we've always felt like the coaching change and the coaching turnover is going to catch up to Alabama. Is this sort of a sweet spot of both those things happening at the same time? Yes. With yeah. Bill O'Brien, a new offensive coordinator, which a lot of people like Bill O'Brien at, at, at coordinator, but it'll it'll be that. That's another interesting question: Is Bill O'Brien bringing his completely, you know, his his offense, or is everybody sort of being given an offense that they're supposed to sort of make their own? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, like you're no, handed a playbook. No. You do what you want with it, but this is the playbook. Yeah, and that you don't stray from this. And and that's and that's the weird part. To, I mean, to, to what you're asking. I mean, is it what? What is it like? We knew defensively. We we, we kind of knew that the the defense was a system job, right? Like you you can call plays and you can do things, but. At the end of the day, Saban tells you what to do. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like that is Saban's defense, right? And and so has that, like you said, has that kind of now become the the offensive strategy too? Um, and you know, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, the the Bill O'Brien thing is just weird to me. I I don't know. Not that like 
if you would have told me Bill O'Brien was about to come and be the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, if you would have told me that five years ago, when after he got done, or you know, however long it was when he was doing that awesome job at Penn State that for that one season, and you know, he he got there at Houston first, like I would have been blown away, like what? Like they're gonna be amazing, <laughs> but. But now with all the turnover of talent, the turnover, the rotation of talent on the, you know, at wide receiver and at running back and at quarterback, and you, he's coming in to now he's going to go from, you know, the, the re, what is it called? The head coach rehabilitation center at Alabama. You, you've got this, you've got these things going on. Can Bill O'Brien come in and can he win games for the Crimson Tide? So, All right, moving along here, yep. the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think you're up first for Sweet. Sam Pittman and his second year uh, there in what, Fayetteville? My question is very broad, and it's not even really specific about them other than I, is, there another te- is there another team in the SEC that you're more excited to watch than Arkansas? Like outside oh of your own fandom, like is there another, is there, is there another team? Ole Miss. Oh, I think I'd rather watch Arkansas. Really? Yeah, because at least Arkansas is going to play defense, and they're, they're returning nine starters from their defense this year. Like, man, and, and to, to your point, they're the anti-Tennessee, right? They they look like they were having fun every game last year, and they went three and freaking seven. Yeah, and got screwed out of one of their games against oh, – uh... Yeah. <laughs> two games, two games in a row against Missouri and LSU. They got, and I would also say the Auburn game. The Auburn, the Auburn game. game is the one I'm talking about. Oh, well, I was talking about the LSU game. But yeah, like I mean, but, but you you know what I'm talking about. Like, did there there look like there did not look like to be a team that was having more fun last year than Arkansas? Right, and and, and playing harder for their for their guy for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's my, question. my question with a new quarterback coming in: How much does the loss of Mike Woods cost? Mike Woods was the second leading receiver on the team with 32 receptions, 19 yards a catch, five touchdowns, 600 yards. They do get Traylon Burks back, 800 yards, 50 receptions, seven touchdowns. So they get the lead guy and they get the lead running back back. But Mike Woods, how big of a blow is losing him in sort of the progression of this offense that only scored 25 points a game last year, 26 points a game last year? I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> well, and and you would imagine Kendall Bryles, if there's a player, Kendall Bryles will find him to plug him into that spot to, you know, to to utilize him. That's the benefit for Arkansas is they have a real, you know, fancy offensive-minded guy back again this year. So he knows the personnel. He knows where to put everybody. He can kind of calculate. That was an early loss uh, in the offseason. So he calculated that. They're at the very least, they like with George and George Pickens, like you you have time to figure out what to do. And Arkansas is, has that as well. All right. The uh, the Tigers out on the plains, Auburn, uh, Bo Nix and his uh, his sweet tea. <laughs> can, can the can the players come out with? Like stuff on their jersey, you think? Probably not. No, that's no, probably. no, no, because that messes with the copyright of the school. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That's easy. I just had to say that out loud. Sometimes you just got to say something out loud, and you're like, oh yeah, that's 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 crap. <laughs> no, I I agree. Um, all right. My question is, Bo Nix going to be the quarterback all season? You tell me who's behind him. 
But <laughs> I, I would say you, you know you know who I think is his biggest threat. It's JT Finley. I, I think. Oh, that's right. I forgot Finley. Yes, thank yeah, you. I, I think I think he's the biggest threat. Um, at the school, I mean, for again against him. Also, I don't think Bonex is that good, and there's just no one on earth that's going to make me think otherwise. That all, that Oregon game though, Robbie. It was that Oregon game. What about that Oregon game, Robbie? Come on, that, where he, that where he threw game. up a prayer in the fourth quarter and ba- like, like only because of a freaking the legend, man. The legend of Bo Nix, man. Oh my gosh, and I know I'm the so legend. sick of it. Um, the legend of Bo Nix was born that night on ESPN. If if Milo Sweet Tea wanted to make some real money, they would have they would have hooked their wagon to Tank Bigsby. That's what they would have done. Because that kid is down kind of harsh. Because <laughs> that kid's because that kid's a baller, and Bo Nix Bo Nix is overrated, and he's not that good. Yeah, no, man, that would have been good. You know, fuel your tank. With sweet tea, Milo's. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> We're sitting here making money for Milo's. Okay, where's our sponsorship, Milo's? Yeah, right. Milo's uh, hit us you up. Tell, in the, you yeah. tell, like, you let us pick who you should sponsor in college football, and we'll dag them. Tell you, we'll yeah. even get, we'll, we'll even write the jingle. Okay, yeah, we'll that, even write, yeah, that one writes itself. Um, so, okay, I, I have a, I have a second tier, I have a second question about Auburn that I'm going to sneak in here, but you ask yours really quickly. So I, I just, I want to know. If Brian Harson can tap into that old Bo Nix potential from from that Oregon night, because that, if you remember, that was night number one. That was it. That was the first night of Bo Nix, and the world caught on fire. And of they course, showed his dad a thousand times in the stands. Right. Auburn is a darling at ESPN. They love him. Uh, Auburn's, a, I think, with Alabama playing the way that they play, everybody wants Auburn Auburn to be good too. Because they know that, that that Iron Bowl matchup will be massive. There's, you know, all sorts of voodoo and you know, it's it's just big. So when Auburn's good, they want it. Bo Nix was electric, uh, or the conversation around him was electric. He had that play, he he just made that play and the potential and all that stuff, the hype. Can Brian Harson actually tap into that or is it completely gone? Which Obviously, you think it's completely gone. Can it, you know, can can Harson find it? He comes from a play. He comes from Boise where he has gotten good quarterback play. Yes. Yeah. And I, I actually don't even doubt him. Right. Like, I, I actually like the Brian Harson hire. We we said that back in the, you know, back in the the winter or whenever it was made. I'm just looking at Bo Nix. You, you look at how he's lost Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz, how Anthony Schwartz was not even utilized. By 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 freaking Gus Malzahn at all, and the kid could the kid could sprint past anybody. And Schwartz had fifty four catches and averaged twelve yards a catch. Like how many screen passes did they throw him that went nowhere? A gazillion. That's why it was only. That's why he only averaged twelve yards. All right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, sticking with the Tigers, LSU. Tig- Go Tigers. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, there's the Tigers at Auburn, right. and then there's the Tigers at LSU. Go, go Tigers. Crawfish and get some Tigers. Oh, oh, oh. All right. Is it your question or mine? I think it's my question. Right, go ahead, Is boss. their locker room culture fixed? Josh Pate goes on and on about the locker room rot, he calls it. Have they fixed their locker room rot at LSU? And uh, according to Josh Pate, if they fix the locker room right, this team can win the national championship. They've got the talent for that. Have they fixed the locker room right at uh, at LSU? 
and maybe even more so as a secondary question, is more just about to pile in. Because I feel like there's levees about to break at LSU, and I don't – that was not, pun not intended. That's a tough one. I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't you, – You can't know. I mean, you yeah. just – I mean, yeah, it just has to be thrown out there. You have to watch it. You have to see it. You have to listen to the reports for it, I guess. My question revolves around just the theme that I said at the very beginning of this podcast around a quarterback room. Who is the starting quarterback for them? And two-parter, who's the starting quarterback? And if and if that's the, if that's the answer, whether it's Brennan or, or Johnson, does the other one transfer out ASAP? Because if we go by one game, Max Johnson, right, is the is the the above and beyond answer if we go by the Florida game, right? But we have to remember that Miles Brennan was doing pretty good throwing for 11 touchdowns and three interceptions in the games that he played last year. And so I, I'm very, very curious to see who's going to be the starter for this team. Yeah. And, and it's hard to sort of, and, and that's what they're doing in, in practice right now is trying to figure that out. Who, who's going to take over. Um, yeah. And, and that, that, Kind of two questions here that you just don't seem to know what the answer is. Um, and I don't even feel like I've read reports of, you know, so, sort of who's leaning the way. I, I think there it's it really is neck and neck, and it'll come down to fall. Yeah. All right. Um, Mississippi State. Mm. The, uh, um, the, the Bulldogs on the west side. You know, you and I are fans of Mike Leach. We, we are. We, we are defenders uh, of Mike Leach. But I'm going to tell you, last year he did not give us much to defend. Nope. Um, and so this year I just have to ask the question, can, can Mike Leach prove the haters wrong? Like I, I know that sounds like such a slang, <clears throat> slang you know, question, filled question, but like it, it really is accurate. There are so many people – who are SEC truists or, you know, SEC have a, you know, rose colored goggles of the SEC and they want to believe, you know, that they want to believe that Mike Leach, you know, doesn't fit, you know, in the age that we live in, you know, in college football, like defense really isn't what it used to be. And so that should benefit Mike Leach because of his offense being the way it is. But, and there are a lot of people who want to see him fail at Mississippi State for whatever freaking reason. And, I just want to ask, can he prove them wrong? Because last year, if you remember the like kind of timeline of this, he he lost players more and more as the season went on. And not to injuries. They started opting out in the middle of the season. They just started leaving. You know, he had that one tweet, and I I can't remember if it was a coat or a running back or someone like that who just was kind of like, I'm I'm done with this. And and so, you know. We got Kylan Hill. I think he's gone. He's not returning. You know, can Mike Leach prove him wrong? Can he can he put together a program that can win games? Can he put together an offense that can can still can still you know score points and win games? Because whenever you've whenever you only won four games last year, like. You beat a bad LSU team, a bad Vandy team. You beat an okay Missouri team. And then, you know, you, you had a nail-biter with Tulsa. You know, you made a bowl game. Good on you. But you went four and 
he went three and seven to get in a bowl game. So I mean, can he can he prove can he prove the haters wrong? I think the answer uh, is yes. I think he can when he gets his guys in there. You might could say that there is some what's the weeding out is the principle, but that's not necessarily the word I want to use. That maybe he gets there and there's just not the right fit with the players that are already there, and his ideas, his way of doing it is going to be different. I'm I'm almost curious to know through who was the last head coach at Mississippi State, the guy that's at Oregon now and was at Penn State. Big, tall, heavyset fella. Yeah, if you wouldn't have freaking said anything. Right, we would have been able to. Um, Either way. Yes. Part of me, Dan Mullen was there forever. We've not always loved Dan Mullen's attitude. I wonder if or Dan Mullen's – say again? I said or his face. But right. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Dan Mullen's you know, sort of attitude or, or whatever it is that he's able to you know, prosper in. I wonder if he left that behind and the last head coach didn't really know what to do with it. He couldn't thrive. And not that it's rot necessarily or some sort of cultural issue, but – Mike gets there and he wants to do it differently and it just doesn't mesh. You know, they clash. And so you got to weed out that other culture of how to do it. I'm going to do it my way. We're not going to mesh this way. And, and maybe that was this year zero from that standpoint uh, for them. And now that he's got Will Rogers and the rest of this team and, and guys that are a little bit more on board with how he's going to do it, uh, we might have the actual year one here. Uh, for for Mike Leach, and obviously an offseason helps everybody. So I think the answer is yes. There's no reason to believe it can't succeed yeah. uh, there at Mississippi State. It succeeded at two other places that are not you know, big-time programs. Texas Tech and Washington State are not big-time programs, and he's made it succeed there. So uh, I, th- I think the answer to your question is yes, and we'll we'll find out during the season. I hope so because he actually has quite a bit of talent returning on defense as well to help his offense which is returning eight starters itself. And I really like Will Rogers. But um, go ahead with your question, buddy. Will Will Rogers be the 2021 breakout player? Kind of like K.J. Costello. Uh, kind of like KJ, K.J. Costello did in that first game. And it was like, oh, my gosh, here comes the, you know, here comes the thunder. Uh, will real Will Rogers sort of maybe not like that in one game explode that that way, but will he be the breakout player that maybe you were expecting KJ Costello to be after that first game uh, from last year? All right, so moving on mm. the uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. Yep. So I'm gonna go back. I don't know if this is on a limb. Uh, can Matt Corral win the Heisman? Oh, you went out on a limb. Is that okay? No, I mean, I just, I, you, 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 you go, you walk up to the average college football watcher and you get them to list you 10 people they think they can win the Heisman. I almost guarantee you nine of them don't listen to Matt Corral. I, I actually bet you there are a lot of people who don't even know Matt, who Matt Corral is. But I, I mean, I, I do, obviously. I think that's a good question. I, 
is he what what year is he? I actually don't know that off the top of my head. Um not off the top. Uh he is a junior, so he may be out this year after this year. Um Well, I meant this season. Can yeah, yeah. Um season? well I mean look, he's gonna get plenty of opportunity with the schedule that they have. Um you know, like he's gonna he's gonna be playing he's gonna be playing great talent all year. The um the Heisman winner a, a lot of times, nobody, nobody had Devontae Smith win in the Heisman last year, of course, which sort of is default. Wide receiver hadn't won in a long time. But nobody had Mac Jones or Kyle Trask at the top of their Heisman board at the beginning of the year. Nobody had Jameis Winston on their board. Nobody had Johnny Manziel. I don't remember where Lamar Jackson was, but I can't imagine Lamar Jackson was at the top of anybody's board. He was the Heisman I, Trophy. I actually remember where he was exactly. He showed yeah. up in the last three games of the season, including a bowl game, and showed flashes. Uh, and I think as a freshman or as a sophomore that year. Yep. And uh, people were like, be, be, "I remember, I can't remember who the commentator was, but they're like, be on the lookout for this kid next year because they 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 they're talking a lot about him." And he was no, he, like, he came out of nowhere. I mean, for the for the most part, but yeah, I, I just remember that one statement <laughs> during a bowl game. Yeah. So. The Heisman Trophy winner sort of comes from the dark horse realm. They never, it's never a favorite, or it's rarely a favorite, I should say. Um, and that was sort of fueled this question as well. He's certainly going to be in the offense to do it. They do have to replace some pieces. They lose their two big uh, receivers, the tight end and um, uh, Yeboah, and then Elijah Moore's off to the NFL. So he does lose those pieces. Uh, if he can take care of the football, he did throw the 14 interceptions last year, but a, a large majority of those came in like two different games. So if he can take care of the football better, uh, he threw 29 touchdowns, had another, what, four rushing with 500 yards on the ground, too. I don't think I realized that that was the number. Um, and more games, more opportunities, even some opportunities to to, to pad the stats. Uh yeah, maybe there's a chance there, especially if there's a Heisman moment against Alabama. That that would go a long way. If Matt Corral beats Alabama, that's oh. a that's a, a oh, Heisman yeah. boost on its own. Especially if he does it with with no mistakes, and it's kind of his game that he he wills them to. And and it's the week right after Florida, at Florida, right? It's. I mean, that's the place to do. I'm sorry. It's at yeah. After they play at Florida, you know. Ole Miss comes to town, so like, and so to to correlate with that, I'll, I'll connect your. This was this was unprompted, so but I'll connect this together with your question. Here's how that that happens. Can the Ole Miss defense go from milk toast, Charmin soft, to just cardboard? Here I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read you some stats. Okay, here's the here's the 2020 rankings for Ole Miss's defense. Keep in mind this was in a COVID year. Um, where they are a Power 5 team, and they are being thrown in with other Power 5 and Group of 5 teams that barely played any games last year, and they still ranked as followed. Scoring, 14th in the SEC, 117th nationally. Rushing, 14th in the SEC, 101 nationally. Passing, 13th in the SEC, 125th nationally. And total defense, 14th in the SEC, 126th nationally. And I think that's out of 126. Bro, yes. At least 130. 130 they, might be the number. They could not stop anyone last year. They were trading blows with Alabama until they blinked. 
Yes, it, until I mean, that's that one fumble, up, yeah. <laughs> that fumbled snap, <laughs> like that fumbled snap is what did it. But, but to to your point, like Matt Corral, for Matt Corral's status to to rise up and be shown and be respected, and for them to win games that helps their quarterback prosper, they have to get stops. And if they cannot stop anyone, there he's not. He's going to be nowhere closer to win the Heisman than he was last year. Sure. And and I mean, you you look at. I mean, one stop against LSU, and you're on a, what is that, one, two, three, four, five-game winning streak to end the season. One stop against Alabama, and you might have the upset of the season. One stop against Arkansas. One stop against Auburn. Like, one stop against Kentucky. Or, no, they beat Kentucky. But, like, to your point, like we're, we're legitimately talking about a 7-3, and 8-2 team. If they can just get two or three stops in each game. Yeah. They, they were so bad to watch last year defensively. Wasn't it the Auburn game that they picked up a fumble and ran it back 100 yards? Off Probably. the goal line, or was that against Kentucky that Auburn did that? I don't know. Auburn got gifted some things last year. They always get gifted things. That's that, that's that stadium. Is, you know, is it Louisiana that has the, the voodoo? <laughs> yes. What, what, <laughs> I, 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 I got believe, voodoo downhill. Yeah, I believe it's it's – they went and stole it out of Louisiana and brought it back to, to Auburn, Alabama. Um, is it is it my question for an A and M? I believe it's off? your question for A and M. All right. If not now, when? Mm. Simple as that. Done. There's no other question for A and M. If not now, when? When will Jimbo Fisher earn his oil money contract? Well, I'm going to push back just a little bit because they don't – I mean, who that – my question is Haynes King a difference maker at quarterback. I'm going to push back just a little bit from the perspective of we don't know diddly squat about what they've got at quarterback. You know what I mean? Like if there's an excuse, like we've talked about with Georgia, if there's an excuse, well, they can always point to, well, Haynes King's a, you know, a freshman. You know what I mean? Can like I push I back? The rest can, of the team's good to go. Can I push back on you as you push back on me? I mean, as long as we're never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Here, here's my here's my pushback on the whole. We don't know what they have at quarterback. Okay, that that's fair. Even though we should believe that Jimbo Fisher and you know has has uh, coached properly and recruited well, which you know nationally by rankings he has. Uh, here's my pushback to that. Well, this dude, whoever it is, will have three or possibly four very easy games to get ready for his season as they their out-of-conference schedule is Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico, and Prairie View A&M. They, right, but Haynes King's going to have to be a difference maker, and you know exactly when and where he has to be a difference maker. I and playing against those chop sueys isn't going to mean much when it comes time for Tuscaloosa. But for these, Alabama to come to town. I, I completely understand that. But he, they are returning two of their most prolific pass catchers who did not get to play last year. They are returning, on top of that, already other pass catchers who, who, who balled out last year. They're returning nine of their 11 defensive starters, who was a very good defense last year. Like, I, I just... Man, if Jimbo's not going to get over the Alabama hump or not going to... If he's not going to do it this year, when will he do it? In order for those those really good pass catchers to catch the pass, somebody has to throw it to them. Well, yeah, but he's, it's not like the kid's got one arm. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Like, I know. I'm just uh, my, the, I, my I, point. I, I get is, your point. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm being cheeky, but like, right? It has just, to happen against Alabama. Yes. Yes. You're you're absolutely right. It, it does. I just 
man, you've got Alabama coming into your house. You, you're going to have five games to get ready and get your offense in order before you play them. Sure. Like, I, I just I just don't – in a way, like, Texas A&M and Georgia are kind of in the same spot. There's just not a lot of excuses left. Are you saying Hanks King is going to be as good as JT Daniels? I mean, I, I know he probably has to be, but – That's fair. I just – I'm okay, look, man, straight up. As someone who who tried who tried to be very defensive of Jimbo Fisher when he first made this move over to A and M, and I believe that A and M is a good coach, but as this offseason has gone on and it has felt like it's gone on a little longer than I thought it would, or it just felt that way, you, the more and more the more analytics you hear, the more and more things that you, you you read about and study is that his offense has become outdated, and I very difficult to learn. Yes, yes. And and so, like, if they don't have an answer, you know, there's also that Zach Calzada kid. Also, just wanted to make mention of his name. If this offense is too difficult, if, uh, if the quarterback can't put it together, then, I, I mean, I really do think, like, you have to ask the question, this is year four for him. When will they? Because last year, their scoring numbers, they were fourth in the SEC, 37th in the country. Rushing, second in SEC, 27th in the country. Passing, ninth in the SEC, 59th in the country. And total, fourth in the SEC, 33rd in the country. And that was with a veteran supposed to be all, you know, we, we know he wasn't all world, but, ta- you know, apparently talented all over the place in Kellen Mond, and he still he couldn't put it together. And and I just I just don't know when then. When does it happen? Well, and I, and I think we're we're on the same page in terms of the offense being difficult. And you're right, too. The job is not Haynes Kings Haynes Kings yet. Uh, you're right to mention Calzada, because I believe the battle's still going on. But we're both on the same page in terms of somebody's got to access this. Somebody's got to just – this offense has to click with somebody at the quarterback position. And I think that's then where you become a difference maker. Jim, Jameis Winston is a difference maker. Uh, there at at Florida State, and maybe the offense was a little bit different then. Maybe there was an easier delivery system and, and teaching system to to Jameis at that time. Um, but he was a difference maker on the field, at least. Is can Haynes either, or the the quarterback will this offense either click for them and they just get it? It just makes sense to them, or are can they be a difference maker on the field? That's I think your your big thing there. And until it and, and until Texas A&M either gets the click or they get the difference maker, that's when this this will happen. Similar for Georgia, they need a difference maker at quarterback too. Yeah, that, that's everybody. Mm-hmm. We are it's a big all conference. Out. It's a big, big conference. conference. All fourteen teams. SEC just means more. It does. SEC was done this week. We'll do uh, Pac-12 uh, coming up a little bit later on this week. You might get two podcasts in one week as we're. Sort of uh, getting some things uh, sandwiched together here. Missed a little time, so we're playing some catch-up here on a rich tradition. He's Robbie. I'm Spencer. Two friends, one love, and that's college football. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Wait, Spencer, where can can we follow you on the the Twitters? That's right. Uh, I am on the Twitters at Spencer underscore Van Horn. That's V-A-N-H-O-R-N. Um, Spencer underscore Van Horn. Nothing difficult. Um, 
And I'm Robbie. Um, my Twitter handle is a very childish at SpiderDude64. There you go. SpiderDude64. Uh, Spencer underscore Van Horn. We can show you who the adult is. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you on the flip flop. Later. Later.